So is it really a smart idea to use smart machines now? In 10 to 15 years, it'll be sort of everywhere, and then we'll start building on it in, at great length. But this opportunity to use this stuff right now, today, Scott. Welcome to this episode of Gartner ThinkCast, where the world's leading analysts and thought leaders discuss the hottest, most important business and IT topics. These podcasts give you the latest insights, best practices, and informed predictions to help solve your immediate challenges and build a better long-term strategy. For more great insights from our analysts, check out our webinars at gartner.com webinars and listen to ThinkCast episodes at gartner.com podcasts and on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating. Now it's time for this week's ThinkCast conversation. Welcome to ThinkCast. I'm Scott Smith. To hear the IBM commercials tell it, smart machines are settling nicely into society. There's IBM's computer Watson chatting with a seven-year-old patient about her cancer treatments or talking up his former game show nemesis, Ken Jennings, and even discussing music with Bob Dylan. Yes, the times, they are a-changing. But how much are smart machines really changing the way we do things? That's the focus of a research special report on Gartner.com, plus some great webinars that you can hear at Gartner.com slash webinars. I've got a lead author of the special report, Gartner's Tom Austin, on the line from his office in New Hampshire. Tom, welcome. Now, I just mentioned Watson, and you were telling me before we started our conversation earlier that most of the smart machine questions you field are indeed about Watson. So obviously that's a segment unto itself. So let me go beyond that. What's number two on the inquiry list? So that's a great question, by the way. And it usually comes in uh, in one of several forms. Uh, They'll be asking, do we really need cognitive computing? Should we be using AI? Do the smart machines apply in what we're trying to do? And this is the beginning of a discussion about when it might be smart to be dumb and when it might be dumb to be smart and when it's smart to be smart and so forth. It really depends upon specific needs and objectives. In other words, there are many examples of not quite smart technologies that can compete with smarter approaches. There are older ways of doing things that might be almost as good and lower in risk uh, as the smart machine technologies evolve and emerge. And there are lots of different examples. I don't want to take you through all the examples. I, I tend to spend too much time looking at them. But it depends upon what kind of business you're in, what your business objectives are, and what you're trying to accomplish. You might be a, a technology provider creating a soft, the next great software product. Uh, you should be deep into the entrails of these technologies. On the other hand, if you're a bank and you're trying to improve the quality of your customer service, you know, there's three, four, five different steps you might take half of which are smart machine technology-related in terms of customer service, and half of them can rely on older, sort of dumber technology. At the end of the discussion with clients, different groups and different clients go in different ways. The the real value that I try to make sure that we provide is to help the client decide for themselves among all the different alternatives, and sometimes the right answer is not a smart machine or AI or cognitive. Maybe it's a rules-based system. Uh, And we we can talk about the strengths and weaknesses of all the different approaches to the various uh, application categories. 
Well, what you mentioned, some are looking at that moonshot. Some are trying to figure out where to go with smart machines. What specific needs are people trying to satisfy here? Oh, boy. Uh, let, let me start with this, sort of the blanket statement. Some of the smart machine technology applies to almost every industry. For example, in construction, firms are now experimenting with and beginning to put in production use autonomous earth-moving equipment and fleets of surveying and monitoring drones that apply smart machine technology to do what? To evaluate project completion, to speed project completion, to reduce costs, as well as cut the cost of capital and perhaps cut the cost of labor. In large law firms, uh, partners are contemplating, so how much further can we go right now? They're already probably using advanced e-discovery software. They've used that uh, and that's smart machine technology at the high end, uh, to reduce junior associate headcount and speed production at lower cost. So where else might they change the practice of law by applying smart machine technology? You know, CIOs uh, deal with myriad issues around smart machines, you know, uh, myriad issues. So how can we as a CIO or a CTO provide business leadership? What's the impact of this stuff on organizational design? Uh, I, I have discussions with clients about, so what does this mean for the training of the application development and, uh, and end-user support staff? So what does it mean for end-user help desk? What's the impact of cloud dependencies? Uh, what's the, uh, it, are there any issues around the ownership of the intellectual property? If we engage with one of these firms and they build a smart technology for us, how much of that do we own and how do we ensure we keep it? I, I actually push that, the IP issue, the intellectual property issue off to some of our people who deal with the contracting uh, issues. My guest is Gartner analyst Tom Austin, who has a great webinar on artificial intelligence out now among the many great webinar selections at Gartner.com slash webinars. Now, Tom, I wanted to go back to how we can use smart machines to our advantage now. What, for instance, are you telling chief data officers to do with this? Chief data officers, you know, uh, I, I immediately suggest uh, to them that they should be thinking about making data a profit center rather than a cost center. So if you start thinking about smart machines are able to extract more intelligence from existing data sets. Now, can you publish essentially, or make available over the internet new data that has been enriched through smart machine technology, or even open data that you might get from a government agency using smart machine technology to add value to that raw data and offer it to the market. There's potentially a really big data brokering value-added opportunity. Look at, you know, IBM's made two interesting acquisitions that you should be thinking about, not just to, uh, to exploit IBM, but so maybe you should be doing the same thing. They just acquired weather.com, where they announced the intention to acquire. And there are others who are contemplating, who I, I can't mention because they're not public knowledge, but you know, there are companies who are contemplating taking their financial, financially related information and publishing it uh, through a smart machine technology that will mine the data, uh, protect the underlying data, and expose new insights from the data. Uh, Chief Information Security Officer. So I, I'm talking with a, a Israeli firm, actually two, who have built smart machine-based malware detectors, and they're not the only ones, there are others, so just a couple of examples. Uh, th these are no longer signature-based, 
They're looking at uh, analyzing the behavior of code to detect, uh, is this a pattern that we believe suggests it could be malware? And they're reporting potentially significant breakthroughs based upon the application of smart machine technology. Uh, and so this is really very, very broad spread. I, I, let me talk about it, several categories just for a moment where people are looking at this. So for automobiles, but also for retail, uh, for merchandising and other security applications and access applications, people are looking at smart vision. This is identifying a person uh, so that if I were to walk into the store, they, they might know me by name. Uh, and that might freak me out as well. So we're going to have to introduce this stuff very carefully with opt-in approval and so forth. But I'd love the people in the store to know what my purchase history was. Customer assistance. So there are several very interesting virtual customer assistant products out there that can replace interactive voice response with something that seems to the users as pretty intelligent and highly valuable, increasing the overall customer satisfaction with handling service inquiries and, and so forth. There's virtual personal assistance. So, you know, people look at uh, what, what Cortana and Google Now and Siri do today. I think they're a tiny bit of what they're going to be doing in two to three years. A anybody who's really interested in this should read the research note that we wrote about people literate technology. This is technology that understands people. Uh, that published in the springtime of this year. It's just another application of the technology. Uh, and, and on and on. Uh, so, so there's one company out there. there. This is an example of advanced text analytics that's supplying machine learning capabilities. It's called BrainSpace. So you could take 20,000 pages of text that summarize a case and ask this technology to identify what new or novel concepts are exposed there. Now, that, that sounds like an academic issue. Suppose, for example, that you are a, uh, you run uh, health and human services and you're responsible for assigning caseworkers to foster children. When you assign a case to a, a new caseworker, you want to give that person the ability to say, so what's new in here? What should I know about? What should I pay attention to? Because I don't have the time to read all 20,000 pages. I've got 10 minutes before I have to call them. And this is a technology that could allow people to do that very kind of thing. The problem with talking about this stuff is it's powerful and it will be pervasive. In the early years of the 75-year era, people are going to try to figure out, so what the heck is it? How does it work? Yet in 10 to 15 years, it will be sort of everywhere, and then we'll start building on it in, at great length. But there's opportunity to use this stuff right now, today, Scott. Tom, thank you very much. Tom Austin is a research fellow and vice president at Gartner. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of the information technology industry. All content provided by other enterprises is expressly the views of those enterprises and the speakers. The information should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of said enterprise's products or services. The smart move on smart machines is to check out the special report on Gartner.com and look for Tom's webinar on artificial intelligence at Gartner.com slash webinars. For ThinkCast, I'm Scott Smith. Thanks for listening. And that's another episode of ThinkCast from Gartner. Let us know how we're doing and what you'd like to hear more of by emailing us at GartnerThinkCast at Gartner.com. That's GartnerThinkCast all one word, at Gartner.com. And don't forget to check out the Gartner webinars at Gartner.com webinars. And look for more of our ThinkCast conversations 
at gartner.com slash podcasts. You can also listen and subscribe to Gartner ThinkCast on SoundCloud and iTunes. And make sure to rate us so we know how we're doing. Thank you again for listening to ThinkCast. Thank you.